The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. I'm biotech columnist Tim Borum, and welcome to another edition of Health Kick, the podcast series that unlocks the mysteries of the biotech and health sectors. Today I'm with Steve Lydiamore, the CEO of the animal and human health outfit Anatara Life Sciences. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Tim. Great. Now, Anatara is a very interesting one and uh, a little unusual, to say the least. Its uh, prospects are based around an old substance called bromelain which is derived from the stems of pineapples, uh, of all things. Some years ago, Anatara acquired the rights to a bromelain formation called Detach, which was used to treat scour in piglets. Uh, Farmers would know that scour is a polite word for diarrhoea, which causes a high mortality rate in the pig pen. Now, the big advantage of Detach is that it replaces antibiotics, which increasingly are a no-no in the food chain because uh, animals and humans are becoming too tolerant towards it. Now, now the company is working to improve human gut health as well, and it's just released some preclinical results on this human side. Uh, so, so Steve's here to tell us uh, more about uh, both uh, aspects of the business. Um, but uh, just to start, Steve, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, are you a Queenslander? No, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a South Australian by uh, origin, although uh, our operations in Anatara are largely based in Melbourne now. So we work out of the CSIRO laboratories in uh, Parkville in the biotech uh, precinct. We have a, a small team of people here working on a human health uh, program to develop a, a dietary supplement to treat uh, inflammatory bowel disease and uh, irritable bowel syndrome. So quite... Uh, a high unmet need, uh, a large market potential, but you know, probably more importantly, um, people out there are suffering and, and need a solution like we are, are developing. Yes, yes, and uh, I mean irritable bowel syndrome. It's uh, it's very uh, it's very common, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, approximately eleven percent of the uh, global population uh, are afflicted by IBS. Uh, IBD uh, less so, but around five million uh, people in the world. Uh, suffer from that as well. Quite a, a devastating disorder. You know, not so much from a mortality point of view, but for a significant reduction in uh, quality of life. Yes, yes, I, I, I take it it can be uh, be very, very uncomfortable. Yes, I mean, um, taking uh, IBS, which is the most prevalent of these uh, two conditions, you know, in, in Australian terms, uh, one in five or you know, 20% of people will uh, experience uh, symptoms of IBS during their uh, lifetime. And if you can imagine a, a life where you know, you, you're going to have either diarrhoea or constipation or, or perhaps both at any given time and trying to plan your life around that, it's no wonder that uh, people, they, they seek solutions and quite often that ends up being complementary medicine 50% of the time. And uh, we hope to be uh, one of those, but with uh, clinical uh, evidence to show that it works. You know, we're looking for a real solution for patients. Yeah, okay. And, and what is the uh, basic mechanism of action? How, how does it work? Uh, there are three prongs to uh, how we believe that it uh, works. The underlying uh, uh, 
uh, triggers if, of uh, IBD and, and IBS, we believe, are uh, inflammation, uh, the microbiome, so your gut being in uh, dysbiosis, and a, uh, a gut uh, lining, which is called the mucosal lining, uh, which has been uh, attacked or depleted uh, in, in some way. We uh, Back in February, we released uh, proof of concept results that showed in a, a human gut cell-based uh, in vitro model that uh, we could uh, stop pro-inflammatory bacteria attaching to the gut wall. When that, when that happens, they burrow in and uh, damage the gut wall lining, allowing uh, you know, bad bugs to get into uh, the bloodstream and things like that. We also showed that uh, inflammation could be reduced and uh, during that initial lot of experiments, it uh, didn't uh, upset the, uh, uh, the mucosal uh, uh, barrier there. Just recently, or this week, we've released a, a second set of results, so more uh, cell-based uh, results showing that we could uh, actually upregulate uh, the two genes which are um, down-regulated in patients with IBS and IBD, that's the MUC2 and MUC6 genes. Uh, upregulate them by five to seven fold, which uh, gives us confidence that uh, we'll be able to, through uh, providing our product to patients, uh, stimulate mucin production. And another um, quite, um, we think, hopefully breakthrough uh, aspect was we did uh, trials in uh, mice to try and confirm what we found in the, uh, the human gut, uh, gut models. And they, they uh, have dosed our uh, product to, to mice and compared against a, a placebo and showed that we, we can, in fact, uh, reduce the incident of colitis. Um, you know, one irritable, uh, sorry, inflammatory bowel disease is, uh, one, one of those is ulcerative colitis. And they, they give the, uh, the, the product to the mice and then they test uh, physically by doing uh, an endoscopy and have a look at uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the scoring of the, the mucosa, mucosal lining, the colonic uh, thickness and various other measures. And we got uh, statistically significant results showing uh, that we made a significant improvement uh, in that regard. So that, that's uh, quite encouraging, so much so that uh, the next step for us is to move into to human clinical trials to, to prove that you know, what works in uh, human gut cells in a, in a cell-based model and has been shown in, in now in animals will work in uh, humans. That's the, the third step and final step before we have uh, definitive proof that the product works. Okay, great. And before we talk about uh, further uh, trials and uh, what's ahead, just 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 sort of stepping back a bit, uh, detach uh, the the animal product. Uh, it, it's got a quite a long history, doesn't it? Um, it was uh, actually used here, commercialised here under another name in the nineteen nineties. Uh, under the same name, so we, we've acquired that uh, trademark. It was uh, sold under under Tatchbit by Seba uh, Gaigi, uh, a company that was acquired by Novartis. Um, at, after Novartis acquired it uh, um, for its own portfolio reasons, even though it was quite successful in the market, stopped uh, uh, selling it. So uh, uh, the, the 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 founder of uh, one of the founders of uh, Anatara acquired those rights and brought them into the listed vehicle, which was uh, listed in 2014, with a view of getting that product back onto market. There've been uh, some some things that were in that product that were no longer allowed, so there was a reformulation uh, required and uh, a resubmission to the uh, uh, APVMA, which is the Australian regulator, 
that uh, was successfully completed and the product was approved in uh, October of last year for uh, sale in Australia, treating to treat scours or, or diarrhea in uh, piglets. Yes, yes. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like Detach was was it was ahead of its time. Yes, yes. Uh, I think very much so. But uh, you, you're right. It, it uh, has proven in the past to work. Uh, it's been reformulated and uh, reapproved by the the regulator here, and uh, it's uh, you know, ready uh, once we find the appropriate partner to uh, not only launch in Australia. We would like it to develop for registration in global markets. Australia is relatively small compared to the major markets like uh, China and US and Europe, for example. And uh, also for other species, so not just piglets. We think there's uh, application in uh, other livestock species, for example, uh, poultry. Yeah, similar problems exist in uh, in chicks. Sure, sure. Uh, poultry is actually a, a bigger market, isn't it? Uh, in terms of numbers of animals, yes, uh, a much uh, bigger market. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and in terms of uh, in, in terms of partnering, you, uh, I, I guess you sort of had a bit of a hiccup, didn't you? Because you had uh, the big uh, uh, vet products uh, company uh, Zoetis uh, or Zoetis on uh, on board, but um, they they decided to hand hand back the technology. Um, but uh, it sounds like it maybe it's a two edged sword because uh, at least you've uh, got the product back. Yeah, so we we have uh, retained uh, all rights, and uh, at present we're actively uh, seeking a new new partnership. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily have to replace like for like. Uh, um, the Zoetis license was for all livestock species for uh, global territory. We we have uh, within our consideration licensing for different companies in different regions and potentially splitting up uh, species. So yeah, one partner for pigs and one for uh, poultry, for for example, that's uh, actively in place. Uh, back at the time the Zoeta deal got uh, signed, there were more than ten other companies in the running for that, and we're back in contact with those again, and also some some new players which uh, have expressed some interest uh, recently. Oh right, okay. Should we expect some uh, news soon? Do you think? Well, it depends on your definition of soon. So we're projected to the <laughs> market that within the next six months we expect to conclude a uh, a new licensing transaction or transactions for uh, detach. Okay, okay, great. And then, of course, we're, we're, we're talking about the animal side, that that's all on the animal side. All on the animal side, that's right. Yeah, on the human side, similarly, we, we haven't actually gone out, uh, although some people have contacted us, seeking a, a partner for our human health product, but we will do that. So by the end of this uh, calendar year, we should have a, uh, a licensing package of all the uh, all the data that we've generated in the uh, preclinical work in vitro and in, in vivo uh, with a view to going out uh, to uh, uh, potential partners for, for global markets and at the same time initiating the, uh, the human clinical trial that we spoke about before. Yeah, okay. okay. So, so you'd be happy to go and partner at the preclinical stage uh, rather than uh, doing more trials and gathering more data and, and obviously we, we, we would and, more money uh, as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, th th you've got to remember that this is a, uh, a dietary supplement. So the uh, human clinical trial that we're uh, planning on doing is, I, I think, quite um, useful and perhaps necessary for um, the type of market penetration that we would be seeking. We'd, we'd be seeking for this to be a leading um, product uh, in the uh, complementary health space for IBD and IBS uh, globally. And to do that, we think it makes sense to have uh, strong evidence, which includes human uh, clinical studies, they aren't uh, 
necessary um, in order to put the product on the market because it's a dietary supplement with ingredients which are, are known to be safe. So we, we, we think we have enough uh, uh, data to support the, uh, the product concept and, and that will translate into uh, humans sufficient to convince a potential uh, licensee to, to take up the rights uh, for this product. So we intend to start that uh, licensing uh, process uh, prior to completion of the human clinical studies. Sure. Okay. Um, and, and so you're you're aiming for over the counter rather than uh, a prescription product, uh, basically. Um, so I guess that means the uh, yeah the path to market's um, a lot quicker. Yeah. So in terms of uh, speed to uh, putting the product on the market, uh, the cost to get it there. Uh, also uh, lower. There are some different options that we're considering in, in the OTC pathway. And in Australia, for example, they vary from uh, a listed uh, product through to uh, a registered product. There are some differences in terms of what claims you, you can make uh, on, on the label. Um, but really what, what it comes down to is what evidence do you have that this product works for, for patients? And that's, that's what we've been generating. It's been our, our track, you know, do our own work to show that it works uh, in a preclinical setting in both uh, human gut cells and animals, and uh, we will flow through uh, and complete some uh, human clinical trials as well. Yeah, okay. And now it's a fairly crowded space, the, the gut health uh, space, the um, as in the dietary supplements, isn't it? So um, I guess you've got to sort of stand out. It, it is. So in, in that space, you have everything from, um, you know, probiotics, which uh, – more general gut health, though some of them are labelled with uh, IBS on the label. Um, what, that, what they don't necessarily have, most of them don't have, is the clinical evidence that we've been talking about generating for our own product. And uh, that will be the distinguishing feature, uh, the evidence that we generate. And ultimately, it will be patients taking it and seeing whether it works for them. That, that'll uh, speak to you know, whether the uptake is there in a recurring sense given that this would be a product that we would expect people would take uh, every day to uh, try and reduce the, uh, the, the symptoms that they, they have and to even even after the symptoms uh, are reduced to you know, maintain that uh, going forward. Yeah. And Steve, how do you think the uh, human trials, the, the, the human trials would be uh, uh, structured? Yeah, we're, we're hoping to do them in uh, Australia. Um, they're as we spoke before, there's a sufficient patient population here in Australia to do that. So it'd be nice to yeah, do plenty of patients, I would imagine. Yeah, and uh, uh, it, it will be a, a trial of uh, you know, 100 to 150 patients, probably, um, uh, and uh, we, there would be a, a comparison against a uh, placebo, most likely. Uh, in, in saying that, though, we're in discussion, given these recent results that we've published with our Product Development Advisory Board, which includes some leading uh, gastroenterologists that will guide us on what that protocol may look like. Once we have that uh, in, in place, that you would need to put that forward for ethics approval and uh, appoint a contract research organisation, do all the various uh, steps uh, to set up a clinical trial. That's what we plan to do for the remainder of this uh, calendar year and uh, with a view to starting the trial uh, next calendar year. Great. And uh, you uh, f- fully funded for the trial? H- how are you off for, uh, for cash? 
We are. So our most recent 4C, we reported uh, back in uh, uh, July, we had uh, $5.4 million in uh, cash and uh, term deposits. That's come down slightly with a, you know, one, one more quarters of uh, cash outflow, but we have sufficient funds to uh, take this uh, product through the human clinical trial. The cost for that trial is um, should be somewhat less than $1 million, just to put it into perspective versus the cash that we have. Yeah, okay. So it won't uh, it won't break the bank, in other words. No, that's not the intent. Yeah, okay, okay. And what side of the business are you most excited about, Steve? Or, or, or Look, like, like your children, you sort of can't, can't uh, <laughs> over one over the other. Yeah, look, they have uh, um, different different aspects which are exciting about them. Uh, the animal health product is obviously a huge uh, unmet need. You referred to it um, earlier when you spoke of antibiotics. Antimicrobial resistance is uh, a major global problem. And, uh, you know, there are uh, organisations of, of roughly 180 plus countries signed up to try and work out how to, how to deal with this. And it's been described by some, some in the World Health Organisation as being one of the great uh, uh, problems for mankind. So we, ne we need to somehow come up with a solution for uh, producing uh, uh, production or livestock animals for people to eat without having to treat them with uh, antibiotics due to this uh, growing resistance uh, problem. A detach is a pro product that could be a, a solution uh, towards that, given that it's uh, it's not an antibiotic and uh, it doesn't work by killing bacteria. It stops that bacteria attaching to the gut wall, so it works in a different way than uh, than antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. And do you think we'll get to the point globally where um, antibiotics in the food chain are uh, outlawed? I think some some companies are actually countries rather are moving down that direction, aren't they? Yes, they are. So in Europe, they have um, stopped uh, prophylactic or this is um, antibiotics given um, in advance of there being a, a problem uh, for livestock animals. They can still use antibiotics for treating an animal that does get sick. So that's the distinction here. But other countries are a little bit slower to ad adopt that. The other thing the Europeans are doing is... Uh, uh, winding, uh, winding down use of zinc oxide, which is another thing that has been used uh, and is used in other countries. So over time, I would imagine that uh, uh, use of antibiotics in advance of there being uh, uh, disease and uh, using zinc oxide in, in feed will both be uh, uh, either banned or, or reduced or in, in, in some way, which creates a, a large market opportunity for for products uh, that are not antibiotic and not uh, zinc oxide. So that's quite exciting. But the human health program is also very exciting. As, as I mentioned before, it's a significant unmet need. Um, there, in Australia, for example, for IBS, there's only one old product which has uh, uh, IBS uh, on, on the, the indication on the label. And uh, the data that we quote in our own literature we put out there is that notwithstanding other options available for IBD and IB IBS, more than 50% uh, of patients seek complementary medicines. And we'd like to be one of those and one that actually works. So there's a large market there. And the data that we've produced to date is quite exciting. It gives us great confidence going into uh, human clinical trials that we'll be able to replicate what we've already seen in the uh, in vitro and in the, uh, the mouse uh, studies. Yeah. Uh, what sort of do you put the uh, total addressable market at on the uh, human health side? I guess it depends yeah. on what indications you're chasing. Yeah, look, that, that's hard to say. The um, 
Uh, inflammatory bowel disease is not not an indication you can put it on the on the label for a uh, dietary supplement. So there is no market data out there that for a dietary supplement that's comparable, and really no dietary supplement out there that's targeting that market. It's a prescription market of approximately $15 billion, so a very large market. In uh, IBS space, um, if we look at uh, just the uh, over-the-counter market uh, alone, uh, leaving, leaving aside the prescription market, in the US alone, it's around US $8 billion. So we would think you know, comparable products to what we're trying to uh, develop, uh, you know, for example, Bayer's Iberagast, uh, products in the range of you know 200 million US dollar plus type uh, uh, products we would hope to be you know, something in that order mm, okay well that should uh, that, that, that should make investors um, uh, sit up and uh, and listen um, and, and speaking of investors they've sort of uh, behaved a bit uh, oddly haven't they with the, the share price because you uh, you got a bit whacked uh, when the Zoatis deal uh, 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 fell over, but you were also sort of whacked when it was first announced. So you uh, you can't win, can you? No, they they uh, when that deal got announced, the share price took a, a kick, and uh, when it uh, um, was handed back, it uh, got another kick. So I don't know. I don't know whether the, the shareholders like they didn't like the deal, and they didn't like the deal being uh, uh, terminated uh, either. Uh, look. There's two sides to that coin. We have the rights back. We have the uh, opportunity now to find uh, another partner. We have the opportunity to look at uh, different ways of licensing for different regions and different species. The the market opportunity is still there. We still know that the product uh, works. Uh, we just need to find that right partner. So still a lot of belief in that product from the board's uh, point of view. And everything that we said for the last year on the human health development program, we've done. In fact, the the most recent announcement was ahead of target in terms of reporting on the animal studies, which we'd projected for later this calendar year. So that's uh, that's travelling well. Uh, the results are good. Um, and as I said before, we, we hope this could be a breakthrough product that patients are sorely seeking. Yes, indeed. And uh, when uh, or if you uh, uh, get the uh, get the clinical results and the uh, uh, the partnerships, the uh, on, on both sides of the business, the uh, the uh, share price should uh, take care of itself. Um, Steve, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, uh, thanks for talking, and uh, all, all the best for uh, both sides of the business. Yeah, very good, and very nice speaking to you. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, for those listeners out there, do check out uh, Anatara. Uh, we've got a lot to uh, offer, and uh, for patients out there, especially, we hope we can deliver you know, the sore, sorely needed uh, solution that, that that you're looking for. Great, thanks, Steve. Thank you, Tim.